In today's episode, Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo get right down to the nitty gritty of marriage and relationships. Their new book, Six Pillars of Intimacy, gives words to the needs of every spouse. You'll actually hear me call it revolutionary in this episode because I had a light bulb moment of how impactful this would be for Jesse and me. Tony and Elisa discuss how financial intimacy, recreational intimacy, emotional intimacy, and more impact their day-to-day relationships and build upon one another. They share their own stories of the broken pieces of their marriage and how practical, small, daily changes restored that brokenness and also gave them freedom to ask for the things that they needed. We also discuss sexual intimacy, voicing our needs, and their beliefs on sex toys within the bedroom. If you enjoy this conversation, be sure to check out my entire Sex and Christianity series on this podcast, and let's jump into today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and I am so excited for today's guests, Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo, because we are going to be talking all about intimacy. And while intimacy is in regards to sexuality or refers to sexuality, it of course refers to so many different aspects of your relationships. And we're going to dive into exactly what that looks like. So thank you, Tony and Elisa for being on today. I appreciate you guys just joining us and being willing to share your heart and this topic of conversation. Oh, we're honored to be here and to be with your audience. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Lindsay. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm I I really love speaking with couples. It kind of lights me up. And Jesse and I, my husband, we we talk so much <laughs> together. And sometimes it's just really refreshing to have other people's perspectives coming on to Living Easy. So let's dive into Six Pillars of Intimacy, your new book. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people kind of thrive within their intimacy when they're struggling to be vulnerable. I feel like the some of the most common questions I receive are from people who say, I don't even know where to begin with mm-hmm. vulnerability. So I guess we'll start there. What does a vulnerability look like in a relationship and why is it so important? Well, I, I want to come back to the fact that you know, a lot of the skills when it comes to, let's talk vulnerability or communication, they are just that, they're skills. You know, so often we look at people that just seem to be naturals 
at it and we're like, oh, well, I, I could never be like that. Like, I'm not a talker. I'm not one to share my feelings. I'm not like, I, I don't know what I'm thinking. And so a lot of people will get into this mindset of saying all the things that they're not, hmm. specifically when it comes to being vulnerable or being a great communicator, instead of looking at that, that real, that, uh, you know, conversation that's going on in their head as an opportunity to go, okay, well, what do I need to learn in order to be better at this? in order to develop these skills. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen over the last 10 years of coaching couples and even in my conversations and and just what Tony and I have built over the years is that often we're just not taught how to even identify what our feelings are. And it's really hard to be vulnerable with somebody else if you don't know what you're feeling, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it's one thing to say I'm angry and anger is one of those emotions that, you know, I... I've been prone to anger in our marriage. Um, there have been many times when mm-hmm. Tony's been on the receiving end of that anger. But as we got, as we as a couple started to dig into this, I realized that a lot of times I'm I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling inadequate or I'm feeling something that's a much deeper emotion. And when I was able to get in touch with that, that changes the conversation because now I'm not just projecting all this anger at Tony. I can actually go into this place of being like, here's what's going on with me. And, and vulnerability vulnerability is learned. And and I'd add something to this, Lindsay, in the sense of a lot of times we we do want to get vulnerable. It's the setting that we put ourselves in that doesn't allow us to get there. And so Elise and I have been married 25 years. And I remember when we were young marrieds, what I always heard as a husband was, well, when you need to talk to your wife, sit down across from her, knee to knee, hand to hand, look her deep in the eyes and just share what's going on. I don't know about you, but for me, that is scary as all get out. Um, You know, I felt like Elisa was just like peering deep into my soul and I couldn't get the words out and I got frustrated. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say what needed to be said. I clammed up and, and I would just push it aside. And so what we've learned over the years is that that's not what you have to do. The setting can change. And so we, we begin to change that setting that allows for the, the vulnerability, the conversations, the emotional intimacy to be strengthened. That way we can have the conversations and communicate with one another. Mm, so good. I I know many men who would be described as a man of very few words. Mm-hmm. And so I love what you said, Tony, because I do feel that some people feel like it has to be so intense and it has to be so um, maybe structured that a lot of the time, even with Jesse and I, when we sit down on the couch and like we like to do things like play Mario Kart together when we're trying yeah. to just decompress and have fun together, yeah. that that's when some of the best conversations happen happen because our minds are focused on something else. And I've shared on a past episode that I even see this with my sons, Mm -hmm. that when they're doing something they really love and we're kind of side by side with one another, that's when some of the best conversations happen. It's not like, Hey, and I've noticed this with Jesse that when I go to him and I'm like, Hey, we need to talk, you know, it immediately kind of sets up this, this boundary or this defensiveness to where, he feels like, okay, wait, is something going on? Even if it's just me wanting to express my emotions, the approach I've learned can be much more gentle and much more subtle and um, in a way that just kind of builds upon that friendship. And so Mm -hmm. I want to dig a little bit into that. So can you describe how you came up with the six pillars of intimacy and what those six pillars are? 
Yeah, the six pillars of intimacy um, have really been our life's work for like the last 14 years. Yeah. Um, it was about 14 years ago, a little, little less than 14 years ago now that Tony and I embarked on a 60-day sex challenge um, as a way to transform our marriage because we'd been in a really bad spot. And through that, while the sex, the sexual intimacy was the catalyst, what we found so shortly, you know, probably within the first couple of weeks of, of a getting into that challenge was that there were so many other aspects of our marriage that were being shifted because of the attention that we were giving our marriage. And we started looking at these and going, okay, well, what, what are these, what's happening here? And and what we realized is that there were six main areas Mm -hmm. Um, and everything kind of comes back to these six. We call them pillars because of the fact that pillars do three things. They, they add weight to a structure. They're able to bear weight and they bring beauty to, uh, to buildings. Like if you think about, you know, ancient architect with, with those pillars and you just have this majestic view of what they're able to do. And so as we were going through, um, that challenge, we found that our emotional intimacy mm-hmm. was strengthened, just the quality of our conversations and our ability to share and hear, not just share speaking, but to actually hear what the other person was saying shifted. Um, we found that our physical intimacy all the non-sexual touch, you know, because we were actually connecting more, we were able to touch more. And that was the kisses and the hugs. Yeah. And then you go into your financial intimacy, which is everything that has to do with your money from, you know, your cash flow plans all the way to setting up trusts and wills and, and everything in between. And then we go into our spiritual intimacy. What's your faith? What's your faith background? What are your beliefs? that you, that you hold dear. They could be the same, they could be different, but that is a vital part to the six pillars of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And the fifth pillar is recreational intimacy. And this goes beyond, you know, dates or date night. It's really getting into what are those things that the two of you do together to build memories, to have fun together. You know, this is, this is the fun factor. Yeah. Like you guys playing Mario Kart. Exactly. (laughs) I love that. I was like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah. yeah, it's good. And then, the, and then the final pillar is our sexual intimacy pillar, which is what most people think about when they say intimacy. And yet, this is one that we discuss a lot. But it's the the foreplay. It's the initiating. It's the sexual intercourse. It's all of those things that allow you guys to have and strengthen that area of your lives. Hmm. So good. This is something that. I think with couples as they progress within their relationships, as you said, it is, it's a practice and Mm -hmm. something that we have tried to implement is a marriage Mm check-in and we touch on a lot of these. And I, I just really love how you've broken it down in the way that it can, I I feel like they build upon one another, right? Mm -hmm. Like they all build and, and strengthen. And it's like a domino effect that when one is strong, the other is stronger because we've always seen, you know, when our emotional intimacy is strong, our physical and sexual intimacy is also strong. And sometimes when our emotional intimacy is weak, that sexual or recreational intimacy can really strengthen that emotional intimacy and, Mm -hmm. and how they play off of one another. And so we'll do this marriage check-in at the end of every week. And we, kind of look over our finances, our financial statement. We look over our family planner for the following week. We look over, you know, kind of the things that are creating strain in our parenthood. And then we'll ask those hard questions like, hey, what are some ways that I've not served you well this week? What are some ways that I've loved you really well this week? What are some ways that, you know, I can 
um, maybe better support you in your career or better support you even sexually in a way that just makes you feel closer in our relationship. And while it can be really intimidating and while there can be certain things that are discussed that make me feel like, oh, my soul, you know, I did this this week. I didn't realize how much that hurt you or impacted you. It always, I mean, I I would say almost always, it almost always brings us out stronger. So what are some ways that you guys implement these and practice these in your day-to-day marriage? Wow. Um, geez. Emotional intimacy. I mean, we, we get behind our microphones each and every week for the last 12 years. Wow. And having done that on the one extraordinary marriage show has given us that ability to learn how to strengthen that pillar, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. through that closeness and connection. Obviously we do it many other ways throughout the week. We do something similar to what you, what you guys do. We call it our coffee break. And that's usually Sundays after church. We we go to a coffee shop and we sit down and we have these questions and we go over our six pillars and which ones were, you know, highlight like which ones have been really strong this week and which ones have been weak. Um, So we do that through our emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, um, holding hands, touching a big one for us that we have come to realize in our lives and where we're at cuddling naked at night in bed. That, that's a huge one for us. And so I would say for those who are, they're, they're looking for that physical intimacy. Sometimes it's not something that is out there that other people may even see. They, they may, you may not hold hands outside in public or give big hugs or big kisses with one another. And that was Elise and I. And so just doing that cuddling at night is, is special for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, when it comes to our financial intimacy, I mean, we, we're talking about our numbers, you know, throughout the course of the month, we're talking about, you know, retirement and this has been a big focus just where we are right now. Um, we have a 19 year old and a 16 year old as of this recording. And so we're, we're the college level and you know, what happens when everybody moves out and that type of thing. So we've been having a lot of, (laughs) a lot of financial discussions around that, um, spiritual intimacy, you know, we, this was an area that even heading into this year, we found that we were really weak in mm-hmm. and, or it had just let slide, I guess is probably a better way yeah, to, I mean, there to are say cracks that. in this pillar. And sure. uh, so we made a commitment to one another that we would pray and take communion three days a week. And we actually, that's an event that pops up on our calendar. It, there's the reminder for it. We meet in our kitchen or our bedroom or wherever one person is. And that is something that we've chosen to do in addition to going to church together and having worship music this year. Yeah. Recreational intimacy. We go out on our dates and we change them up. We also play a game called uh, Monopoly Deal. Um, Like you guys with Mario Kart, Monopoly Deal for us is fun because we'll have it over lunch or or dinner and we'll play, you know, three rounds, two out of three, whoever wins. Is that the one that's just the cards? Well, we have played that before. I played it at my sister's and it was actually really fun and it's faster. We have you played the the billboard Monopoly? No, I don't know if they sell it anymore, but you guys should look into it. It is so fun and it's fast. Anyway, just because you like Monopoly, <laughs> recommend yeah. it. And it's fast. That's that's a bigger deal. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't sit around for three hours and play a Monopoly game. Some people do, and that's yeah. that's great. Um, yeah. But that's the way that we've been doing that. Uh, our recreational intimacy and then sexual intimacy. We make sure, and we have been living this out in our lives for the last thirteen years. It's called the intimacy lifestyle. And that's some, that's how we have set up 
our ability um, to have sexual intimacy twice a week. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that again, like I said, for the last 13 years. And then every year we throw in a, a seven day or a 14 day challenge or something of that nature. And that's how we stay connected there. That's awesome. Those are really great and practical. Thank you so much for that. I feel a lot of the time some people are like, okay, all those things are really wonderful, but how do I actually implement this within my life? So what would you guys say as you kind of go through this and maybe to our audience who's like, oh my gosh, I am so far behind Tony and Elisa. I don't even know where to begin. Can you maybe share a story of your own experience to where these pillars were kind of broken Mm -hmm. and how that impacted your life and what it challenged you to do. Yeah. we have, you know, the, the the pillars each came out of our own brokenness. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, over the years we have, we have faced ridiculous amounts of debt being really irresponsible with credit cards. We have. And I mean, when we say irresponsible with debt, I mean, We've been married 25 years. And so when we were first married, we had $50,000 in debt. And with inflation and everything, it's that's basically around $85,000, $90,000 in today's dollar. Yeah. Um, that so, was just student loan and credit card debt. Yeah. So we, we have done dumb in that area and had to work out and get ourselves out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where we really looked at like that financial intimacy pillar. Yeah. And, you know, I... I had said earlier that, you know, skills can be learned. Well, I, I came into the marriage as one of those people that was like, you know, I'm not so touchy feely, right? Like you want to cuddle and you want to do all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, fine. But like only to a point and to this point where even was it last year or two years ago that we did the series on kissing? I think it was two years ago. Okay. So two years ago, you know, here we are in the middle of the early stages of a pandemic around each other all the time. Tony's just like, this could be epic, right? Like I can just touch you and and hold you and do all these kinds of things. And I'm like, stop it already. Um, But I was so committed to working on physical intimacy that we did a, was it a 30 day kissing challenge? Yeah. A 30 day kissing challenge where I'm like, I'm going to kiss, like I'm going to intentionally kiss you every day. And I've gotten better. I won't say I'm excellent at it. But it is definitely like even just that intentionality. And I think that's what I would say to anybody that's feeling like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm not where Tony and Lisa are. Pick one of the pillars. Yeah. Right. Don't overwhelm yourself and be like, oh, my gosh, we've got to do something in all, you know, six pillars. No, pick one. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say actually pick one where you're like, OK, you know what? We've got some strength here. How can we level it up just a little bit? What what would what would a one percent improvement or one percent accomplishment look like in this area and then take that strength and Lindsay you mentioned this earlier how some when you've got strength you can take that to other areas of your marriage the same thing with the pillars you start to figure out something that works for the two of you let's say in recreational intimacy like you figure out you guys can you know plan dates and you can get that on the calendar you can make it happen well what does it look like for you to plan conversations and get them on the calendar and make it happen you know, you can take that same concept. This is what I tell my coaching clients and just apply it to different areas. Yeah, that's really good. I do social media and business management and things like that on top of the marriage coaching stuff. And one thing I always tell people is 
what would 10 minutes a day do? Like you're saying, it's these small movements, right? It's like the small upward trajectory where it feels like this big, overwhelming, looming situation. Or there's some people who are like, oh my gosh, I just don't even have the time for that. I am too busy. I have three kids. I have all this stuff going on. But as I always say, you're a healthy marriage pours down into a healthy family mm-hmm. and makes generational impacts. And so what is 10 minutes a day to sit down and say, hey, I want to have this conversation. I actually recently received a message from a girl who um, it was just a very basic conversation that Jesse and I had had on the podcast about how we sit at the dinner table and say, I ask our kids, what was the sunny part of your day, cloudy part of your day? And Jesse and I kind of ask the same thing. And we also talk about something that made us maybe feel embarrassed or nervous or shy. And she said, you know, I sat down, I said, how's your day to my husband? And in this message, she said, I asked him how his day was. And he said, it was fine, blah, blah, blah. And I challenged myself to sit there and say, okay, I felt embarrassed when this happened. I felt strong when this happened. Like, do you want to hear more about my day? And she said, it was amazing to see how much he enjoyed me enjoying the conversation and how intrigued Mm -hmm. he was. And that was probably, you guys, maybe five minutes of her day Mm -hmm. where she was just sharing, but she felt strongly enough to write and say, wow, this was actually really impactful. Um, And so I really love what you both share in that, that it doesn't have to be this enormous transformation overnight. It doesn't have to be everything put into one because that reminds me of when we make a plan of working out and it's like, okay, (laughs) hardcore, right? Zero to 100. (laughs) I'm going to do keto and work out every day. And and then we flop because it's too much. Mm -hmm. It's these little things. It's the little changes, the 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day that can really transform. And so as you enter this new season of life with kind of maybe potentially empty nesting and and shifting the way that you live within your marriage, how do you navigate the changes? And maybe this is more for people who are like going through a move or they're going through a job change and they're just, they are actually really busy. They are really strapped and their marriage is not at the top of their list. How do you still prioritize these pillars in your life, even when it feels like the world is weighing on you? Imagine believing and experiencing the truth that marriage is a gift from God to be embraced, not a burden to endure. Most marriage problems, you guys, are not marriage problems. They are God problems and they are heart problems. Nobody walks down the aisle to say I do with a plan to have a mediocre, difficult marriage that ends in divorce. Divorce is painful and messy and hard. And God didn't call you to be a wife who fixes and fixes and exhausts herself with the efforts to make her husband better. Instead, he called you to be a love him wife. Did you know that 50% of marriages end in divorce? And in 2020, the top reported reasons for divorce were a lack of communication and an inability to resolve conflict. Ladies, have you equipped yourself properly? Would you wait until your entire house had burnt down before seeking help? It is more likely that if your house were on fire, as soon as you saw the spark of that first flame, you would be doing everything you could to fight it, to fix it, and to learn from it. It should be the same for your marriage. It's time to make a change. I am here to speak with you all about the Wife Project. 
Our society views marriage as disposable, but God's word calls us to so much more than that. The purpose of The Wife Project, which has already been purchased by hundreds and hundreds of women, is to challenge you to grow so deeply in your relationship with Jesus that it has no choice but to flow over into your marriage. I have received countless testimonials that God is using this course to actively change and transform very real marriages from the core. I'm offering eight video sessions that will address your root issues with biblical wisdom that will help to lead you to live the life with your husband that you always hoped for as soulmates rather than sharing life as roommates. The best part of this is that you will have lifetime access to the entire course. So if you can't listen to it or watch it right now, it will still be available to you in five, 10 or 15 years. And all of the videos and the Wife Project Journal will be easily accessible for you. The journal will include marriage challenges, scripture memory verses, and journal questions to begin working through the deep struggles of your marriage immediately. And I cannot wait to see what Jesus does in your faith and in your marriage through this course. Just visit my website, sparrowsandlily.com or click the link in the show notes below or the link in my bio on Instagram at livingeasywithlindsay for more information and to sign up for the wait list. Well, the reality is, is that we're always going through something that has the world on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be the transition to new parenthood. It could be, you know, like you said, moves. It could be, you know, shifting family dynamics with aging parents or children moving out. And, you know, one of the things that that we realized was that you have to spend time with someone if you're going to continue to like them. Mm. And it doesn't have it doesn't have to be epic. It has to be consistent. There's a difference between, you know, grand gestures. That's why Tony and I often laugh about Valentine's Day because, you know, Valentine's Day is this huge, like everybody's getting flowers and chocolate and everything. And, you know, and it's just like that's the day everybody's going to have sex and all of these kinds of things. And that's amazing. Yes, please do. But what happens on the other 364 when, when all of those things are weighing on you? And, and I'll actually give an example. Five years ago, um, Tony's dad was dying and there was a lot of just emotional weight and all of these things happening. And we were, we were just managing it. Tony is the oldest son. There was a lot of just responsibility put on him. And, and I remember Lindsay, we were standing in our bedroom, making our bed and just, we were disconnected a little bit because he was dealing with so much, but it wasn't a pressure. Like I wasn't complaining to him or anything like that, but we're making our bed and he looks at me and he's like, you know, there's a lot going on with my dad. I'm going to need more sex. And I'm like, I remember thinking, wow, I would not have put those two things in the same sentence. But it was the acknowledgement of which intimacy he was going to need in a season. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would tell anyone that's, that's just feeling the weight. Think about those different six pillars and con- convey it to your spouse. You might have to go for you know just a walking conversation or a drive in the car. You might just have to leave them a note on the kitchen counter next to their coffee cup. And say, this is, this is where I'm in, at right now. And I just need a little extra in this area. Will you no. do this for me? Mm. Create it as an invitation. This is what I need from you. It's not a forever thing. It's where we are right now. And it's helping the two of you get through it as a team. 
Tony, I'm so sorry to hear, I mean, to both of you, I'm so sorry to hear that you mm-hmm. walked through that, but it's, it is encouraging because I think that's a great fear of people. I mean, I know that's a fear between us is losing your parents and what that is going to do to your relationship. And I think there might be some women listening who are like, oh, of course, sex was the need, you know, of course, sex was the need, but I can very much relate to that because it feels for me, sexual intimacy is like a safe place for me and not only an emotional release, but it's also just that comfort. Can you speak to why, maybe for wives who don't fully understand their husband's sexual needs, if they don't feel such a strong sexual pull, why during that time that was so essential for you? Yeah. And you know, Lisa and I live our intimacy lifestyle. So we have sex twice a week. And so when I say I need more, it was maybe like one more time a week. Sure. So it wasn't like I need to have sex three times or seven days a week here. It was maybe one or two more times. The main purpose was stress, a, a lot of pressure. I'm dealing with a father who is dealing with lung cancer that metastasized into his spine, into his brain. Um, he was frail. My mom was having to deal with him. Um, he, he was always chipper. But there's still stress. Like I'd go up there and just see them and and it still brings up emotion now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just stress. And I, I wanted to get away from it for me anyways. And this is just me. And I can compartmentalize. And so when Elisa and I are sexually intimate, everything else fades away. Everything. Uh, our emotional intimacy is is very strong because of what we do and and how we've built those those skills in our own marriage and in in individually, and yet in that moment, like if we're out for a walk and talk, say, and we're just going along, and we're just talking about things. Other things are in my head, and other things are still bouncing around. And so, the thought of my dad, my mom, what's going on, uh, doctors is still bouncing around. But when it comes to sexual intimacy and just being there with her everything else fades away and I don't have to think about it. And so for that 20 minutes, half an hour, one extra time, two extra times a week, um, I just didn't have to think about it. I I got to think about my wife. I got to think about my marriage. I got to think about how much I love this woman that I've been with for 28 years. We've known each other for 28 years and, you know, 25 years, 20 years in. So that's why, that was important to me. For somebody else, it may be absolutely different. It may mean they want to just go, you know, they just want to go hang out and have a picnic on the beach mm-hmm. because they want to just strengthen that recreational intimacy and that that water and the, and the waves crashing just allows them to just decompress. So for all of us, it's different. And just knowing that I think is helpful and asking, you know, you know, why is that important to you? What does that mean yeah. to you? Is, is Those are some questions that for the spouse who's hearing it can just get more information and and to understand their spouse because they're not us. And and so it just gives us a little more information about where they're at and why that's important to them. Hmm. I really appreciate you both sharing that because I think sometimes, at least this is what I gather when I speak to women, is they so often feel like sex is like this transaction that they're obligated to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And it is so much more than that. And I mean, I will say the first few years of our marriage, sex was, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't something I necessarily looked forward to until we really started communicating our needs, our wants, our likes, our dislikes. And, and it became more of, um, 
rather than just like something that was fulfilled, it became something I looked forward to. Mm -hmm. It became something that, like I said, made me feel safe and kind of protected. And also in the moments when I felt really disconnected from Jesse, and even recently, we've really had some kind of marital struggles that we've worked through that we never Mm -hmm. thought we would have to work through. And those moments of sexual intimacy for me as a woman have been some of the most reassuring moments in my marriage that I could ever ever need or think that I wanted. And I wouldn't have said that seven years ago, you know? And so mm-hmm, Elisa, yeah. for you, when you say you weren't touchy feely, you know, obviously that's a practice and a growth mm-hmm. for you. How did you respond to that? And how did that make you feel knowing he kind of just needed you in that way? Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking, you know, that wouldn't be what I need right here. Um, right. I was like, all right. But <laughs> But at that point in time too, I knew that there wasn't a lot I could, there wasn't a lot of other things that I could do, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't, because our children were younger at the time, I wasn't making all of those trips with him to, to help take care of his mom and dad. I wasn't, you know, I I wasn't privy to all the conversations that he and his brother and, you know, the family members were having because I was also still maintaining our home here. Mm -hmm. And so it really did become one of these things where it was like, all right, well, if this is what he needs, I can, I can show up, I can participate, I can be fully present for him in that moment. And, and I think it's important, you know, for us as women to kind of break out of this mindset that men just want sex as a transactional thing, Mm -hmm. that it really is a way for them to feel deep connection. And it's part of the reason why, even when we laid out the six pillars of intimacy, that emotional intimacy is the first pillar and sexual intimacy is the last pillar because, you know, if you think about what that looks like, right, you have to have the two on the end, both be strong in order for the structure to be supported. It's not just all we have in a marriage that's all about emotional intimacy and we can have great conversations and there's zero sex, or we have a marriage that's all about sexual intimacy and there's no emotional intimacy. And, you know, that's what that looks like. It's both of them are necessary in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And to your point, and I love what you said, it takes time for a couple to develop their own language around sexual intimacy, to be able to express, you know, how do I like to be romanced? What touches do I like? You know, what positions are good for us? When when do I feel most open and free when we're having sex? That's Those are all learned skills, despite what we've seen in Hollywood and on you know TV sets and things like that. <laughs> Yeah. Right. The rest yeah. of them don't look like that. That's a, that's a crew of 276 people <laughs> making those things look completely effortless. The rest mm-hmm. of us, we, we have to develop that in our marriages. We have to, again, this comes back to the vulnerability that you started this episode with. It's how, how are we as a couple cultivating the depth to our relationship so that if our spouses say, Hey, I really need a little extra sex right now. I need that connection with you. We're not like, uh, of course, you just want sex. It's like, no, I understand how important that is to our marriage. Yeah. Here, here's another one, too, I'd love to share because it, it's it's different. So our oldest is 19 and he just left um, for college last last year. A year ago. Yeah. yeah. A wow. year ago. It's like my biggest fear, but also I know it can be really sweet. I know it's a mix. Oh, it's it, it's a, it's a, it's actually amazing because I think as parents, we have to raise them up to let them know that we're going to let them go, but there's a loss. And so I remember driving home. Well, we, we, our boy went up the coast here in in 
California. So he's a few hours away. And I remember holding it all together, getting him up there, getting him moved into his apartment with all his other buddies, seeing the other families, all of us going out for like pizzas and hanging out in the town and doing all this Mm -hmm. stuff and then driving home, doing all right. And I remember coming in to the to the uh, Kitchen. kitchen and I just sat there for a moment and it all hit me, Lindsay. It all just hit me. And I just started bawling, like just bawling. Like, here's my boy. Like, like he's I, not home. He's not, he, he's <laughs> not here anymore. I I've done, I've done football with him for the last eight years of his life. I mean, taking him to practices, watched his game, you know, had those heart to heart conversations on the couch and he's not here. And I was just bawling. Mm. And in that moment, it was different because I just needed Elisa to just hug me mm-hmm. and just engage in that emotional intimacy because I was just hurt. It, it, I didn't need more sex at that point in time. It wasn't a stressful type situation. It, it was a it was a loss, a different type of a loss. Yeah. It's still grief. But the way I I was just going uh, was dealing with it or going through that. It was completely different. And so all I needed with at, at that point in time, I just needed her there. Just hug me. Just be here as I just cry. And it was just like, uh, what does Abby call it? Ugly crying. Ugly crying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had had a whole week leading him for crying. <laughs> she was she was doing it the week before, so I would be there with her for sure. Yeah. But, but those those are two different emo- th- those situations and how we engage in the the six pillars of intimacy and how we can be there for our spouse and support one another in those. Mm-hmm. This feels so revolutionary to me because the six pillars. I feel like I'm a good communicator with my husband, but this is so impactful just as I really process through like him coming home and me having a moment of pain or hardship or whatever and having the ability to pull from these six pillars and say, I need, like you're saying, Tony, like I need sex. I need a hug. I just need to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. I need one of these six right now. And being able to almost consolidate, kind of compartmentalize that feeling into a name and to give it. And for the audience who's listening, who really, as we've talked about, struggles with vulnerability, struggles with communication, to be able to say, hey, let me just (laughs) hang it up on my fridge and point to one and say, this is where I'm at, feels so helpful and so practical and so transformative. And so, and I'm not saying this to like, I don't know, kiss your guys' butt. Like I'm, I'm genuinely saying this because it is, it really like for me as a communicator, it just feels extremely helpful. So I just want to praise you in that. Like, I really, I really, I love that this is your life's work. I love that what you do is help marriages. That's my heart and soul. And to have something so beneficial, like I genuinely will point people back to this from here on out because it is, it's just very impactful. And I really thank you both for sharing genuine examples because I think it helps people to understand how impactful it can actually be. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you. And I mean, we're glad it's revolutionary to you because when Elisa and I, we've always said this is it's not about Elisa and I, mm-hmm. like we're blessed beyond measure to be able to speak to the one family and get behind our microphones and, and talk about something that we're passionate about, but it's not about Tony and Elisa. It's yeah. about how are we impacting your marriage? Mm-hmm. And 
what you just shared there is something that we have never heard. And it's, it's absolutely beautiful and wonderful because as you were speaking it again, it goes back to your Mario Kart. You could be in a point in time when you, you are stressed out and what you need to do is just engage in your recreational intimacy. You need to just have some fun mm-hmm. in your life. And to go play Mario Kart is that ability for you to let loose and have that fun. So I, I appreciate it. I know Elisa does as well, mm-hmm. because whenever yeah. we can impact one couple, that's that's what it's all it's about. Game changer. Touch, yeah. Yeah, touch one. And I, I know you will. I know you will. I know your book, Six Pillars of Intimacy, will. And I want to shift gears. We only have a few more minutes, but this is something I have <laughs> always wanted to talk about on the podcast. And I've never really kind of like... I guess, given myself the permission to do so. So you guys promote and sell, quote unquote, sexy bedroom items, right? I want to talk about this because I think there is a lot of shame and guilt with people. And I think I'm, I I have a very faith-based podcast. Biblically, everything that I do is focused on Christ and, you know, his calling for me. And I think there is such a beautiful gift in sex and that God created sex Mm -hmm. and promotes it as a beautiful thing. And that pleasure is a large part of that, as we see in Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. But I also think the marriage bed is sacred, right? Yes. So I think that there are a lot of people who really, including myself, who have really struggled with the concept of using toys or anything along those lines within the bedroom. Can you speak on kind of where that freedom comes in for you, um, how you feel like it impacts you if you feel that, I know these are a lot of questions in one, but like if you feel that it maybe takes away from you being with one another, just, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on all of it. Mm -hmm. So our journey to using sex toys and fun things in the bedroom has been just that, a journey. Um, I just quick little background on me. I grew up in a Catholic household where um, we went to church on Sundays, Catholic school, all the things. And my my belief system, right or wrong at that point in time, was that sex was only for making babies. And you could tell how many times, you know, the couples in you know, Catholic school had had sex because that was how many kids they had. I mean, that was kind of what we grew up with. Um, yeah. And so coming into marriage, I was just kind of like, all right, well, you know, basically we're having sex to make babies. And Tony and I got married thinking we weren't going to have kids. So that pretty much like killed the sex life right there, (laughs) right? Like we're not having kids. We're not having sex. Uh, But in this journey, you know, we've read Song of Solomon. There's an incredible book called Intimacy Ignited um, Mm -hmm. by Dilla and Pintus. Mm -hmm. That was really the book that I think kicked everything off for us. We started stepping into this place of going, what does it look like? For a husband and wife, if they are going to introduce toys, you know, different pleasure items and things like that, to do so only as a couple mm-hmm. within the confines of their bedroom or wherever they're being sexually intimate. And so we have been very careful over the years, um, you know, specifically like with vibrators and things like that, where if they ever started to become a replacement or a crutch, we actually have a show called is your vibrator a crutch Crutch. Um, to, to be very mindful of what we're introducing and how, and is it something that is bringing the two of us closer as a couple, or is it something that is creating disconnect? Mm -hmm. And if it creates disconnect, it gets out of our bedroom. And we've had that, we've had that happen where we're using uh, back in the day, this is you know, when we were just starting to use them was a finger a finger vibrator. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think Elisa and I, we're, we're using it. And then we, we started to notice that this is 
all we're really using. And it's not really bringing us closer in this area. So we had to have the discussion of like, all right, now we're not going to use it. So we're going to have to engage one another and, and work together so that we're both pleasing one another in the bedroom. So it's been one of those things, as Elisa said, it's a journey. Some things that we will try and test out, never get used again. Mm -hmm. Other things we continue to use at certain times. Um, Lube, for instance, was one of those things that we never, ever used in our bedroom. We just felt felt like, well, why would we need that? Um, And then we came upon Uber Lube and that changed our lives forever and Mm -hmm. has changed many a couple's lives. And so does it get used? Absolutely. Um, Because it helps us to um, engage sexually where it wouldn't before. I'd rather Elisa be be wet than dry and she would as well. And so that's a decision we have made. So I would say to any couple, try something, be open about it. What are you guys engaging with? Is it, you know, I would say out of the eight to 10 times we have sex a month, I would say we're using a vibrator maybe what, once, twice? Yeah, vibrator, some sort of toy. Yeah. Maybe just a couple times a month. Um, it brings variety. And I think this is this can be a key component for a lot of couples is how do you break out of the routine? Um, statistically, most couples have two to three positions mm-hmm. that they kind of cycle around. And so adding in toys is just brings a level of variety to it and anticipation. Um, but again, you never want a toy or something that you're doing to replace your spouse. Um, we, and if it does, then you, you, you need to address it. Like it's time for that to go. Yeah. Um, and you never, one of the agreements that Tony and I have, whether it's trying a new position, trying a new toy or whatever it is, is that you only, you never push your spouse past the point where they're comfortable, mm-hmm. right? If, if your spouse says no, then guess what? That's a no. You can have a conversation at another point in time if that's a no, not ever, or if that's a no, not right now, because you need to learn a little bit more about new position or whatever it might be. Um, But don't, ultimately it comes down to have the conversations, right? If you want to introduce something into your bedroom, a toy, um, wedge pillows, different lube, whatever that might be, talk about it outside of your bedroom. This comes yeah. back to you know one of those things about just changing up the location for the conversations. Your bedroom is the number one place where a couple will have sexual intimacy. So have conversations about sex somewhere else in case the conversation doesn't go well. You haven't brought all that energy into your bedroom. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. I'm I'm a very sex positive person. And yet while you guys are talking, I'm like nervously picking my nails. <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't talked about this before. It's, but it's I, okay. It's, it's no, totally okay. it is. Especially, especially in the church. I mean, I had somebody this week just be like, yeah, we can't, we don't want to, we don't want to introduce the six pillars of intimacy because they, they talk about sex toys. Oh yeah. Another church. <laughs> um, and so I, I think it's something that needs to happen. And yeah. For any married couple. I have no shame around it. I think it's it's the repercussion. You know, like you're saying, there's people who have this very solid viewpoint on it. And but I I fully agree with everything that you're saying. I think that it can draw a couple closer in so many ways. I think as long as one thing that obviously I speak against is bringing anyone else into the bedroom and oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Total, yes, totally damaging. And so <laughs> I, you know, I get a lot of hate on TikTok where when I talk against pornography, where they're like, oh, we watch yeah, it together. Yeah. And I would just say, 
It's absolutely destructive. And that's the difference from what you're saying is you're only doing things that are between you and your spouse and you're only doing things that will draw you closer. And I love that you both touched on the, the difference between, you know, something that makes one person comfortable and the other uncomfortable. And it immediately gets taken out if it makes someone uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. it's not a pressured situation. It is intended as God created to be something that is beautiful and strengthens your marriage. And so I feel you clarified that really well. I am just like, I'm, I'm (laughs) navigating the conversation, but it's one I've been wanting to have. And I know we only have like a couple minutes, so we will definitely talk again. You guys, I would love to have you back on and even dig further into this. Yeah. Um, But can you tell our audience where they can find you and where they can find six pillars of intimacy? Yeah, you can go to one extraordinary marriage.com. You'll find everything uh, about what we do, our podcast, um, the, the sex toys that we just talked about, our books and, and other things, our podcasts, as I said. Um, and to get Six Pillars, you can get it at sixpillarsofintimacy.com and that will uh, direct you right to Amazon and you can just pick it up there in any format that you like. Perfect. And I will link everything in the show notes. But thank you, Tony and Elisa. I really enjoyed this conversation. Next time we chat, I would love to have Jesse on. I think it would be so much fun for all four of us to, to talk. Okay. Awesome. Well, I am going to follow along with you guys. And again, like I said, I'm going to refer this back to so many people. It just is so, so impactful and encouraging. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. I'm, I'm thankful for this and I hope you have a great day and good luck and with all the success on your new book. Awesome. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Lindsay.